The fight of the century does not involve fake celebrity boxing. It's growth versus value stocks. Who wins? Welcome to another episode of the podcast. Glad to have you. I'm Eric Powers with Sky Blue Wealth. And today we're talking about more investment topics and retirement planning strategies. We'll be breaking down the debate about which stocks are better, growth or value. Plus, we'll touch on rebalancing your portfolio, which many people fail to do so often. It's like keeping your oil changed on time every time, but forgetting that your tires don't last forever. That plan is out of balance and will leave you in a bind. So why not get rolling with the definition of a growth stock? Just keep in mind that these definitions are not written in stone since what one expert analyst sees as a growth stock may not be the same in the eyes of another. And why? It's because these categories are different by certain criteria and different experts have different criteria. So the general definition of a growth stock. Stocks that are expected to outperform the overall market over time because of their future potential. The contrast is that value stocks are thought to trade below what they are really worth and should provide superior returns. Notice those key words, should and thought to. It's like reading a headline saying, bananas could cause headaches for some people sometimes. Like I said, these definitions can fluctuate depending on what criteria you have, the numbers you use, and what your advisor believes is the true value. Let's use an example. You see Tesla, which seems to be a stock favorite, however, certainly not a recommendation from this podcast, at $985 per share. Maybe because Elon Musk went on a vacation near an active volcano, who knows? but you think that's $20 lower than the real value, the intrinsic value, not the value based upon the 30-day trend or that the CDO is doing dangerous stuff. Since you believe that is a deal or a good value, you decide to buy some Tesla stock. And in three months, you might be proven correct or even in a week. But we're in this for the long run, so we're not gonna worry about the short-term stuff that, while nice, will not get you where you wanna be when you're age 62. So I used Tesla as the example. And here's some more examples of value stocks from January 2022, according to a quick check of nasdaq.com. Steward Information Services is one, USA Trucking, and Comscope. Sorry, those don't sound as cool as Tesla, I get that. The thing folks assume when they hear value stock is some brand new little company when they get in on the ground floor for a few bucks a share. But in reality, a value stock is typically a stock from a larger established company that has built a name for itself already. It's a value, not because no one knows about it, but because the price is at a point that is below its true value. Now that price point does vary depending upon who you ask. Whatever the point is though, that's your entry point, your opportunity. And it's not about trying to time the market. It's a statistic-based strategy to get a deal on a rock solid stock that's seen a price drop. So what about growth stocks? These are stocks that are doing well, and experts, gurus, and even surfers believe the companies will keep doing well. But growth stocks are not on the clearance rack like value stocks. They have big upside, like drafting any Alabama running back for your fantasy football team. What are you comparing that upside to, though? The overall market. One thing to mention here, too, growth stocks usually don't pay impressive dividends, which in case you're new to investing, a dividend is a distribution of corporate profits and you may receive them in cash or in the form of more stock. Keep in mind that there are a couple more stock categories to think about. 
Index stocks are those that experts believe will keep pace with the overall market. Many people like these equities because they seem to be less volatile generally, and for a longer-term strategy, index investing involves lower risk. So that's more of a set-it-and-forget-it plan, right? No, that's wrong. I'm just making sure that you guys are paying attention. No investment plan should be set-it-and-forget-it. Growth, value, index, everything you invest in has to be regularly checked so that you don't wind up working until you're 87. Now that's an experience you'd want to forget. Okay. Another category is called blended, meaning stock is on both sides of growth and value, and it moves in and out of both of those ranges. Now that you know some of the big pieces of growth versus value stock, which one is best for you? Keyword again is you. And I'll say it again, retirement plans have to be customized to each individual and they have to be flexible. If you talk to 50 retirees, they'll all have different stories about what types of stocks have worked for them. And I'm sure there'll be some that'll tell you which ones messed up their portfolio too, I can only imagine. They have their stories and you have yours. The details matter though. How long until you retire? How much do you have saved already? What are your plans for retirement? Big, small, not sure. See, growth and value investing is just another option, not something you have to stick to like glue. And get this, many studies have been inconclusive about which strategy is best. Certainly, as you can understand, one study may have had a winner, but they conceded that it came down to the specific time frame that they were looking at. In other words, bananas give some people headaches sometimes. The bottom line is that if you monitor your investments and pivot when change is needed, you will do well over the long run. Oh, let's talk about rebalancing. Rebalancing is a must. It's the process of keeping your assets balanced how you like them on a regular basis. So if it's a 50-50 split, then you have to rebalance periodically to get it back in alignment with that 50-50 split. Let's say you like 70% of your savings in mutual funds and 30% in bonds, or 60% in individual stocks and 20% in mutual funds and 20% in bonds. So in 12 months, those percentages will not be the same, right? If your stocks go up, but your mutual funds are stagnant, you'll have more money in stocks and a higher percentage in those stocks. Let's say you have 70% in stocks and 30% in bonds after 12 months, and you were aiming for a 60-40 split. You can move money out of stocks and into bonds to rebalance, or simply add new money to those bonds to get it back to the 60-40 split. Rebalancing is not rocket science and it's not hard, but it is a powerful way to manage wealth and to be able to balance your risk. Now here's a more micro example of rebalancing. You're say 33 years old and have mostly stocks and some bonds just to make your AMPA happy, and you have 18% of each of these stock subcategories, large cap, mid cap, small cap, value stocks, and technology stocks. And then that leaves 10% in bonds. After six months, it may be tempting to leave a higher percentage in the tech stocks. If say, Apple comes out with an iPhone that actually does something worthy of having another pat themselves on the back launch party. If your tech stocks gain so much that they're now at 28% of your portfolio, that's awesome. And what if those gains kept on coming every few months? Awesome. You can retire at 45. Or you can eat the worst egg omelet ever after most of your eggs go splat in one basket. The safer approach is to take a hard look at your portfolio on a regular basis and rebalance it. You have to do your research or, shameless plug, have a good advisor to make the right decisions, of course. 
Plus, no one says that the balance you set up today has to be the same one that you have a year or 10 years from now. You can tweak your predetermined portfolio balance percentages. All right, so now you may be thinking, when is it best to do all of this rebalancing? And there are various different methods. The simplest being time-based, you know, on a calendar. Some investors rebalance when the new year rolls around, just like clockwork. And then others do it every six months or every quarter and so on. Of course, you can do it every week if you really wanted, but then you get into transaction fees and the hassle of monitoring the market every waking hour. And if that's not your job, then most folks just don't have the time for that and a life. Oh, I want to highlight the issue of rebalancing once per year. I don't know if you caught this. Every 12 months goes by and there are going to be some missed opportunities. So Tesla, for instance, as our earlier example, not an endorsement, not a recommendation, Tesla drops 12%. Well, that was a good entry point for a deal you may have been able to take advantage of if you were rebalancing at that time. Okay, so here's another method of rebalancing. This uses an allowable percentage composition of an asset in a portfolio. It's called constant mix strategy. When your ratios change from the present ratio by a determined amount, you can arrange to have a transaction occur, sometimes automatically, to rebalance your portfolio. When your ratios change from your present ratio by a predetermined amount, you could set it up that transactions are automatically occurring made to rebalance your portfolio back to the original percentage. So changes of let's say plus or minus 5% from your assets target percentage is actually pretty common. This constant mix strategy sort of keeps your assets in line without having to plan time to straighten them out each time. So remember with a calendar based plan, you could get busy and put it off for a few months and really have things get at way out of proportion when you finally get a chance to rebalance it. It's just like having a kid on a chore schedule. It works way better to have them on a schedule than to randomly ask them to clean their room. By the way, in our household, room could be easily replaced by war zone. Okay, two last rebalancing methods. First one is a bit more complex. It's called constant proportion portfolio insurance. Some find fault with the CPPI strategy because it doesn't remove risk quickly when markets decline. And one study showed cracks in the theory as it underperformed the S&P for several years after the 2008 financial crisis. The other method I mentioned is smart beta, and it adjusts the preset rules that are in place to avoid marketing inefficiencies that come with index investing on market capitalization. I realize this last one has a bunch of words jammed together, that don't necessarily make sense until you look them up, but really what you want to do is understand which method may be right for you. One that you actually and actively use. As long as you commit to rebalancing your assets early, often, and on time, you're on the right path. Just like we've talked about before, investing is nuanced. Various investments can be dissected in hundreds of different directions. Don't let that confuse you. I hope to keep the learning going with you, so please hit that follow button and subscribe to the show while I get to the recap. Okay, so a few key points to remember. Growth and value stocks are not perfectly defined since statistical criteria is not an industry standard. Entry points and exit points for investments get noticed only when you do regular portfolio check-ins. Index stocks are once predicted to keep pace with the overall market. The 16th best quarterback in the NFL is an index stock in fantasy football since there are 32 NFL teams. Rebalancing a portfolio is a powerful tactic and a real must, and it can be done with various methods. Rebalancing ensures that all of your eggs don't jump over into one basket, it keeps them safer and spread out. 
please guys, shoot me an email with any questions you have about stock category preferences and rebalancing. I'm always glad to chat with you anytime. Talk to you soon. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult an appropriate qualified professional prior to making any decision. There is no assurance that the techniques and strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive results. The purchase of certain securities may be required to affect some strategies. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Growth investments may be more volatile than other investments because they are more sensitive to investor perceptions of the issuing company's growth and earning potential. Value investments can perform differently from the market as a whole. They can remain undervalued by the market for long periods of time. Replacing a portfolio will cause investors to incur tax liabilities and or transactional costs and does not assure a profit or protect against loss.